Welcome to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Hello and welcome to yet another edition of the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. It is the 22nd day of September 2022. We're in month number 20 of the disaster known as the Biden presidency. I want to tell you guys something. I personally know firsthand what it is like to lose a child, to have a child die. As you all know, I lost my eldest son a couple of years ago. The pain continues. It persists each and every day. Life, of course, does go on. The pain somewhat dulls, but never, ever, ever goes away. I have a nephew who lost one of his best friends this past weekend, a 22-year-old young man on his 22nd birthday. I won't go into the details, but I will tell you the pain his parents are going through is real. I didn't know this young man personally. I don't know his family, but I do see the grief in my nephew's eyes, and I know what this young man's parents must be going through. Losing a child is indeed the toughest thing any human being will ever have to endure. It is far more hurting than losing a parent or another relative or even a spouse. To lose your own child is a pain that never, ever leaves you. Many of the pro-baby murder crowd, the pro-abortion crowd, try to let everybody think that losing your baby through abortion is not painful, but we hear time and time and time and time again how much pain a woman goes through emotionally as well as physically after having an unborn baby ripped from her body and destroyed, effectively murdered, just for the convenience because the baby mama or the baby daddy don't feel like fooling with a child. You would not be listening to this program today had your parents aborted you. But I'm off topic. I want to read to you something that really disgusts me. And the fact that the media refuses to properly, adequately, and completely report on this, as well as many related topics, is infuriating to me. When I took broadcast journalism in school, I learned that a journalist should report who, what, when, where. Those are the most important facts surrounding any story. Why is subject to speculation. It's subject to interpretation. It's subject to spin. How is also sometimes able to be spun. But the who, the what, the when, and the where are concrete, solid things that a reporter, any decent journalist worth his or her salt, should make damn certain to include in their reporting. I'm going to read to you some information that I got just a little while ago from the Daily Mail. Its title kind of made me scratch my head. Carjacker shoots dead father, comma, lets toddler die after abandoning car. 
He shot a dead father? I don't understand the title, but okay. This is a degreed journalist who wrote this article. They don't even mention the name of the journalist. I guess they're embarrassed. Who knows? Carjacker shoots dead father, lets toddler die after abandoning car. A 38-year-old man, this article begins, was arrested after allegedly shooting a Houston man to death, then stealing his car with a toddler inside, and then leaving the child to die. The suspect faces murder and tampering with evidence charges, according to Houston police, and his identity will be revealed when those charges are filed. In the article, there is a very clear photograph of the man accused of killing this father and allowing, really causing, a toddler to die. But the article begins, a 38-year-old man was arrested. It doesn't say what it should have said. A 38-year-old African-American man was arrested after allegedly shooting a Houston man to death and then stealing his car with a toddler inside and then leaving the child to die. The media chose to leave out the ethnicity of this man. So if you didn't get to see the picture, if all you got was the written text, you wouldn't know that this murderer was an African-American man. For some reason, that fact does not seem to be important to the media. The who involved in this story is irrelevant, I guess. You go to the next slide and there's another picture of the same African-American thug wearing black tennis shoes and black socks and black shorts and a white t-shirt and a black cap with a flat brim walking into a convenience store. This portion of the article says, Police received a call about a shooting near the corner of El Camino del Rey Street and Chimney Rock Road in West Houston at 1.46 p.m. on Tuesday. Well, now we know the where, and now we know the when, but we still don't know the who. We know the what. Someone shot a man dead, stole his car, and then locked up the car in Texas heat and left a toddler to die a horrendous, horrifying, very painful death. It then says, when they arrived at the scene, police found a 38-year-old man shot to death. They don't talk about the race of the man who was shot to death either. They don't talk about the race of the toddler who died. It says, pictured surveillance footage of the suspect, which showed a man wearing black shorts, a white t-shirt, and an Oakland Raiders baseball cap. Oakland Raiders. Football, maybe? Anyway. They still don't say that it's an African-American man. Strike two to the reporters. Strike three, once again, there's a photo of this black man entering a convenience store the article then says, around 6.30 p.m. that evening, a woman called police to say her husband and two-year-old son were missing, and investigators then realized her husband was the shooting victim from earlier. We never knew about the child until she called, 
said Houston Police Executive Assistant Chief Larry Satterwhite. Houston Police Executive Assistant Chief. I guess when you rise through the ranks from patrolman to officer to sergeant to detective to lieutenant to captain to major to colonel to they ran out of ranks. I guess then they have to make up ranks. Executive assistant chief. My God. I wonder how much that guy makes a year. The article then continues showing the scene of a bunch of police vehicles in the dark on a street. And the caption on the photograph says, Police said a toddler was found dead inside a car that was stolen after the child's father was killed. The article continues, After a search, police found the missing car more than 10 miles from the scene of the shooting and saw the boy was locked inside. Officers broke the windows open and began to perform CPR on the child and called an ambulance. Assistant Deputy Whatever Executive Chief Muckety Muck Satterwhite's photo is on the next slide, standing in front of the podium, I guess, doing an interview. And the article continues, Sadly, it was too late. The child had passed in the car, Satterwhite said. At this time, we don't know why or how or what the cause of death will be. It could be something like heat exhaustion. We just don't know. That will be determined later through autopsy. It's the hardest thing we do, he said. Children are innocent. The next picture shows some police officers. It also shows a picture of what appears to be a dead body on a gurney covered up. And it says investigators believe the victim was meeting with another man when possibly and and then it stops. Satterwhite said it is believed the carjacker left the car where it was found. Well, you think? Or do you think the car drove there by itself? Assistant Executive Head Chief Muckety Muck. Satterwhite said it is believed the carjacker left the car where it was found and locked it up with the child inside. He said police believe the victim had been meeting with the subject when an argument broke out between them. They said the suspect may have pulled out a gun, then shot the victim multiple times before making off with the car. I wonder what gave it away. All of the bullet holes in the victim? You think maybe that might have tipped off the police? That the suspect, quote, may have pulled out a gun, then shot the victim multiple times before making off with the car? Unquote. That's some really awesome police work right there. Really awesome. The worst is yet to come in the face of Joe Biden's inflation, according to Carl Icahn. Investing.com famed Wall Street investor Carl Icahn yesterday issued a chilling warning to investors, saying, quote, the worst is yet to come, unquote. During an appearance at MarketWatch's Best New Ideas in Money Festival, the 86-year-old Carl Icahn posted gloomy forecasts for Joe Biden's economy, but he did advise some opportunities for investors. He is actually comparing Joe Biden's United States inflation to the fall of the Roman Empire. Throughout 2022, Wall Street has repeatedly warned investors that a recession could be on its way. Steve Z, the moderator of the Truth Hurts program, has been telling you for the past eight months 
we are in the midst of an inflation recession period. Prices have gone up supposedly over 8.3% average over the last six months, but it's much more than that. When you look at the double-digit price increases in every measurable commodity. From J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon to Federal Reserve officials, the world's top economic minds have pointed practically in unison to the storm of headwinds facing the economy, and they've expressed fears about a serious downturn to come. In the U.S., consumers are grappling with near 40-year high inflation, rising interest rates, recession, supply chain shortages, Biden's energy crisis, a war in the Ukraine that we have nothing to do with other than to send billions and billions and billions of taxpayer money over there to see no results. Even though the S&P 500 has dropped more than 21% this year, Carl Icahn says the worst is yet to come. He is worth $23 billion because he's a savvy investor. And even at 86 years old, he is one of Wall Street's most respected minds. And this year, he has repeatedly warned the U.S. economy and stock market are in big trouble. Inflation is a terrible thing, he says. You cannot cure it. We printed up too much money and just thought the party would never end, he said. Adding that with the Fed switching stances and rising rates to fight Joe Biden's inflation, Icon now believes the party is over and the hangover is going to be really, really painful. The hangover from the Fed's loose money monetary policies, according to Icon, is the high inflation which rose again 8.3% in August compared to the year before. He said rising inflation was one of the key factors that brought down the Roman Empire. Historians point out that Rome famously experienced hyperinflation after a series of emperors lowered the silver content in their currency. The situation then deteriorated dramatically after one emperor instituted price controls and a new called the Argentus, which was a value of about half of a denarii. In other words, they started printing more money than they had to back it up. Icon argues there are still some stocks that look appealing on the market, but he is cautioning investors don't get too greedy too quick. He says a lot of things are cheap and they're going to get cheaper. He's warning investors that this is Biden's economy, and you can't get the genie of inflation back into the bottle as easily as they would like you to think they are doing. The Washington Post's Tony Rahm says, U.S. watchdog estimates $45.6 billion in pandemic unemployment fraud. The watchdog said that fraudsters likely have stolen $45.6 billion from the nation's unemployment insurance program during the Wuhan, China, novel coronavirus pandemic. They used the social security numbers of dead people and other tactics to deceive and bilk the United States government. The new estimate is a dramatic increase 
from the potential fraud identified incorrectly by the Biden administration a year ago when they said it was $16 billion. It illustrates the immense task ahead of Washington as it seeks to pinpoint the theft, recover the funds, and hold criminals accountable for stealing from a vast array of Joe Biden's federal relief programs that were poorly conceived, poorly implemented, not very well watched, and now we're seeing $45.6 billion, with a B, stolen. Those weekly benefits helped more than 57 million families in the first five months of the crisis, but then quickly, when Joe Biden became president, became an easy target for criminals. In order to siphon away funds, scammers filed billions of dollars in unemployment claims in multiple states at the same time and relied on suspicious, hard-to-trace emails. In some cases, they used more than 205,000 social security numbers that belonged to dead people. Others obtained benefits by using the identities of prisoners who were ineligible for aid. But officials at a watchdog office warned their accounting might still be incomplete. If they're not able to access more updated federal prisoner data from the Justice Department that the Biden administration is withholding, they acknowledged it could uncover billions of additional dollars in theft in the next few months. The government is so proud. They've charged a thousand individuals with crimes involving jobless benefits. A thousand? out of possibly 205,000 or even more. I don't think this Justice Department is focusing enough energy on that theft as they continue to try and find or pin things on Donald Trump and his family. Washington Examiner's Kate Scanlon says centrist and progressive House Democrats have struck a deal on police reform better known as defund the police, just in time for the midterms. House Democrats struck a deal on police reform Wednesday, uniting centrists and progressives in the chamber on a key issue ahead of the midterms. Steny Hoyer, Democrat of Maryland, said the House will vote on a package of four bills on Thursday, but the Senate does not appear to be poised to do so before the election. This package, of course, resurrects previous attempts to reach a deal of policing-related bills sought by centrist Democrats who balk at the progressive wing's defund the police efforts. Centrist Democrat representatives Josh Gottheimer, Tom O'Halloran, negotiated with progressive reps, the towel-headed Premia Jayapal, chairwoman of the Progressive Congressional Caucus, and the other towel-headed Ilhan Omar on a package that previously stalled over a lack of consensus. Wait a minute, I can't say towel-headed? Looks like a towel on their heads in the photo. Look, look, see the towels? Thank you. You can call them whatever you want. I call my baseball cap a baseball cap, but I was told take your hat off in the building. So if it's a cap, it could be a hat. So if that's a burqa or a whatever, it could be a towel. Enough said. Leave it alone. It's a freaking towel. In a joint statement, Omar and Jayapal said, With this package, 
how the Democrats have the opportunity to model a holistic, inclusive approach to public safety and keep our promise to families across the country to address the issue at a federal level. Some congressional Blafrican American caucus lawmakers also participated in the negotiations. Gothheimer issued a statement saying, I'm proud to have worked closely with Republicans, Democrats, and a broad spectrum of stakeholders to make real progress for public safety. Now, this package includes four bills that will fund local nonprofit organizations and other so-called community groups that work to reduce crime. They're going to provide grants to smaller police departments to help in recruiting new woke police officers. And they'll also offer grants for mental health services. The deal also includes a bill by Val Demings of Florida that will issue grants to police departments geared at solving evil gun crimes. You might recall Val Demings, the Democrat, the former chief of the Orlando, Florida Police Department, has rejected the defund the police rhetoric and positions in her Senate campaign against the incumbent senator, Marco Rubio. You can call it anything you'd like. It is still a defund the police movement if Ilhan Omar and any of those others on Tawel are involved. Hey, 70% of American voters object to gender identity lessons in elementary school. Duh! Should be 100% of American voters. Gender identity lessons are one of the biggest topics of contention currently in public education. More and more public schools are weaving these topics into classroom discussions, stirring a pot and causing a divide over their place in school. Hint, there is no place in school, especially in elementary school. The only thing that little third grade boys should know about little third grade girls is that they have cooties. While Americans are torn over lessons for older students, the majority of the public agrees there's no place for these discussions at the elementary school level. And this poll was conducted by the New York Slimes, a very liberal, progressive, woke, leftist, democratic-leaning newspaper. And that poll conducted by the Slimes found out 70% of registered voters strongly or somewhat oppose instruction on sexual orientation and gender identity in the elementary school system. This finding comes at a time when some districts are furthering their attempts to embrace these inclusive plans. At the same time that states like Florida, common sense states look to ban them in the younger grades. This poll should shed light on another issue which lies in the fact that many parents don't even know what teachers are discussing in the classrooms with their young, impressionable children. According to the survey, young adults were more apt to welcome gender identity lessons for elementary students, but the majority of these respondents were still opposed to young students learning about the subject. What exactly do teachers at the elementary school level discuss with the youngest public school age students? States that require gender identity to be discussed in sex education standards outline how this topic should be broached at the elementary level. For this young group, most lessons focus on defining gender and discussing typical gender stereotypes. 
At its core, the true purpose is to foster inclusive, welcoming environment for all students. But indecent reports of explicit sex education lessons continue to be documented across the country. Recently in Idaho, the state was exposed for teaching porn literacy in elementary schools. This does nothing to advocate gender identity fights to find a place in the school system. It proves what I've said all along. Little boys have penises. Little girls have vaginas. And unless some twisted, sick medical practitioner tries to remove a penis or perform an adedictomy to a little girl, little boys will always have penises and little girls will always have vaginas. According to this Times poll, Democratic voters were more prone to favor gender identity lessons in school than their Republican counterparts. Duh. There's a mental illness in America. You have to be mentally deranged. You have to be, what's the word I'm looking for? Psychopathic? Twisted, sick, perverted? To think anything other than follow the biology, follow the science, follow the DNA, follow the chromosomes. XX, XY. Boys, girls, there is nothing else. And if you think there is, you need to see a psychiatrist. Dr. Anthony Fucci is pretty certain that if the Democrats lose control of the House and the Senate, that he is going to be called to Congress again. And this time he won't have a Democrat chairperson to give him all kinds of breaks as he attempts to sweep things under the rug. According to Business Insider, Fauci says the Chinese government is probably hiding something about the origins of COVID, but he's not sure if it's a lab leak. My God, he's about to get busted. When the Democrats get out and the Republicans move in, Fauci is going to have to answer for an awful lot. And I've got some potentially bad news for those of you who thought you were going to have an extra ten dollars to $20,000 in your pocket because of student loan forgiveness. Charles Passy of MarketWatch says Biden's student loan forgiveness plan could be blocked or delayed, the experts warn. A warning for those anticipating some of their student loans being forgiven, it's not a done deal yet. A veteran expert on student financial aid, Mark Kentrowitz, the author of Who Graduates from College, Who Doesn't, spoke to that reality on Thursday at MarketWatch Best New Ideas in Money Festival. He said that legal challenges to the loan forgiveness program announced by Joe Biden in August are expected and could present real obstacles moving forward. I agree wholeheartedly. And if a challenge makes it all the way to the Supreme Court, the loan forgiveness is likely to be blocked or at least delayed for some time. Kentrowich referred to a Supreme Court ruling that ruling rather that just declared Congress doesn't hide elephants in mouse holes, meaning a piece of policy that has significant economic or political implications has to be explicitly authorized by Congress. And since Gropey Joe's forgiveness plan did not go through Congress, well, it's probably in danger of not happening. 
Good job. I hope it does get to the Supreme Court. They'll shut it down. And for my friends in the Tampa, Florida area, you might be in for a Category 2 or even possibly a Category 3 hurricane sometime next week. It looks like the Tropical Storm Hermine is headed your way. I don't think Tampa has been hit directly by a hurricane in several decades. So, my prayers and well wishes to my friends in the Tampa, Clearwater, St. Petersburg area. Unless this storm makes a dramatic shift in its trajectory and its path over the next few days, it looks like you guys might be in for some bad weather. Good news for all of my adjuster friends out there, I'm sure. Bad news for those who are adversely affected by the storm. Well, my friends, we've run out of time for this edition of the Truth Hurts program. Go out there and try and make it the rest of Thursday halfway decent. And I do invite you to please, if you enjoy this program, tell a friend, a co-worker, a relative. Expand our audience. If you don't like what you hear, just turn it off. Nobody cares. Go find some liberal, progressive, woke media outlet to listen to. Opinions expressed on this program, of course, expressed as free speech under the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. I apologize if you are offended, but I retract absolutely nothing because I speak the truth, even though sometimes the truth hurts. We'll see you next time. Copyright 2022, the Truth Hurts Program Network, all rights reserved. This program is pre-recorded. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. I apologize if you were offended, but I retract nothing. Background music provided by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Audionautics.